0: good afternoon and welcome back to extra butter i am your co-host josh along with my trusted co-host lenny how you doing
1: doing well how are you
0: and of course ezra ezra how you doing this morning
1: doing great excited to be here
0: we can tell we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about today we're talking tick tick boom as well as rent and the andrew garfield renaissance before we get into tick tick boom what have you guys been watching this week ezra how about you
1: so college has really picked up. I assume you're also going through it, Josh. So Confirmed. I haven't had a time to really sit down and watch a movie. I don't have two hours to block out. So I've been mostly watching some TV here and there. Um, so a show I recommend that I watch this week is called uh, All Creatures, Great and Small. It's on PBS. It's a you know BBC production. It's actually uh, based on a book series from the 40s and 50s. That was turned into a much beloved TV show in the 70s, I believe, but it's one of these British shows where there's no real drama, everything that's drama is pretty mundane, so it's it's like easy listening music, but if it was a TV show where all the characters are likable, it's just, it's like a feel-good show, and so I'd recommend it. It's also British, so there's only six episodes a season two seasons, so it's not bad. I've also been watching Adventure Time here and there because each episode's 11 minutes so it's really easy to just fit one in all the season are you in i'm in six right now okay great series it's great series it's it's incredible if you watch it all the way through because it changes so much Uh, it's really um, i really loved when it like had a more coherent story as opposed to just being
2: episodic nonsense
1: yeah i haven't watched any of the you know when they they've brought it back for HBO Max. HBO Max is oh, uh, making these uh, miniseries. Distant I haven't watched Alliance. any of them. I think it's called. Yeah, I watched a few of them. Okay. I mean, it's it's
2: it's not the same thing. I mean, I haven't kept up with it. Obviously, I watched like the first two. Um, much prefer the main series.
1: Yeah, and you're a you're a Steven <laughs> Universe fan over Adventure Time. I know that. Oh no, no, I'm I'm a regular show overall, boy. I do I do like regular show. I finally watched regular show. It's so great. It's enjoyable, but. This isn't about the TV shows. I enjoy this is about extra butter movies, so we should move on.
0: Len, what have you been watching? Uh,
2: so I started Munich edge of war. It's a new movie on Netflix about the, uh, the early aggressions of, uh, Germany and world war Two and the British reaction to it. Um, I rewatched uh, Spider-Man no way home. Um, and now i'm working my way through futurama
0: gotcha i but, uh didn't yeah. have a ton of time to watch stuff as ezra alluded to i did get to watch annette which has been on my watch list for a while uh 2021 movie it's your classic run-of-the-mill psychological thriller musical about a wooden doll that can sing it was weird uh i don't know if i liked it uh a ton i ranked it as my 24th best movie of 2021 Maybe we'll talk about it on a future pod. I also have been watching Yellow Jackets on Showtime. Highly recommend that. Good it's like Lost. Do you watch it?
2: I've seen the first couple episodes.
0: It's like Lost, but not really stupid. And then uh, I've been watching Euphoria on HBO. Do you guys watch Euphoria?
2: It's on my list. It's it's. Um, I heard it's uh, the perfect Zendaya experience.
0: It is. It's like, have you guys ever seen the British show Skins?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it.
0: This is kind of like the American of skins that we never really got because, like, the MTV skins, which I watched one episode of, was horrible. And uh, I haven't caught up on Peacemaker, but I did see that it surpassed the Book of Boba Fett as the most streamed show. Are you guys watching Peacemaker?
2: I am watching a Book of Boba
1: Fett,
2: Peacemaker. Boba I Fett, I Sorry, go ahead.
1: I stopped ahead, watching Ezra. Book of Boba Fett. It is not. It's very my interests. Yeah. Like the Man- I love The Mandalorian, but I'm not I so, watched the first two episodes and I just am like eh. Right.
2: This this might be kind of venturing into spoilers. Um No spoilers, I haven't
0: watched it yet. Don't don't say it if it's spoiler.
2: The most recent episode I think will capture your interest. Um it harkens back to the days of yore of the Mandalorian. So you might you might enjoy it. Mm-hmm.
0: My take on the book of Boba Fett is that he was such a small character in the movies, and I know he had kind of a big following, but we really didn't need him to come back. I think Star Wars' oh, is no, greatest no. greatest resource was its scarcity at a certain point. Like, oh, you get three movies every 25, 30 years, and they're a big event. And now you get, like, oh, new trilogy, the and then a new right. movie every year, and then a new series every week. It's like... Let's chill out on Star Wars content and let's kind of let it let it sizzle for a little, let it simmer for a little before I think the, um, a new
2: show. I think the thing with Boba Fett though is that when it was back in the day before Disney bought Lucas Films and now all the canon that was established is called Legends, Boba Fett was like one of the top most popular characters there ever was and still was extremely popular even after Disney retconned all of that. So I'm glad they brought him back and I think they kind of owed it to the fans to bring him back. It's just not working
0: i don't think so, they did owe it to the fans what do you think ezra
1: well so you know i think one of the issues with this current boba fett series is i think the mandalorian did a lot of what people wanted in a boba fett show so the boba fett almost seems redundant it is also this problem that disney has with some of the properties they've taken over like marvel because i've enjoyed all the stuff they've put out marvel wise with the disney plus shows but it just feels like a lot uh, I'm, I'm one of these people who's like... Uh, it's same with the Star Wars movies is some people who really like the prequels are like, well, the prequels are a lot better if you watch the Clone Wars. And I agree with that. The Clone Wars, because they come out after the fact, they're able to fix some of the plot holes. But I shouldn't have to watch 80 episodes of a TV show to understand a movie. And it's right. the same with Marvel. I think it's going to be a huge issue down the line is if I go to watch a Marvel film, but I haven't watched five tv shows ahead of time so i don't understand who any of the characters are i'm not going to enjoy it even if i think i think it's going to uh i don't think the mcu will ever have like a true downfall same with star wars but they may end up becoming just like mediocre they'll still make money they'll still do well but they're just not going to be what they once were we're
0: sorry go ahead len
1: I think
2: that's kind of the point. It's it's not necessarily concerned with like churning out, you know, well, I mean, it is churning out mega blockbusters time and time again, but it's not really concerned with, you know, quality so much as it is with
1: butts and seats and merchandising opportunities. So I see your point. Well, it depends on how you define quality because I mean, the CGI is amazing. They look great. Uh, that's That's one thing that I think is a good thing with them. They put a lot of money into it. So it's not a lack of quality. It's not like they're put put uh churning out B films. Well, but- I
2: think I think that you know, like take the Eternals. The Eternals was exceedingly mediocre. Um, they'd be perfectly content churning out five Eternals for every one great film, and as long as it generates, you know, the billions and dollars they're used to in revenue, which it's going to because it's a legacy brand, Disney's not going to let it just sit on the shelf.
0: See, I have to disagree with you right there about the Eternals because I think they tried something new. It wasn't your formulaic Marvel movie. It was an innovative director, Chloe Zhao, fresh off of an Oscar, trying something new. So I don't think I could say Disney's just going to turn out a couple more Eternals. I think that's kind of a a stale thing.
2: When when I say that, I mean like movies just flub. Like, like, yeah, she was trying something new, but it didn't work. And they're just going to keep pushing it down your throat regardless of how mediocre it might be.
1: They're going to turn out five Black Widows.
0: Yeah, I think that's like, yeah. a better comparison.
1: Not a not a bad film, but like I don't I want to watch Black like Widows every year.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So should we hop into Tick, Tick, Boom? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Okay, so for those of you who have not seen it, the film follows Jonathan Larson, played by Andrew Garfield, a young composer who's waiting tables at a New York City diner in 1990 while writing what he hopes to be the next great American musical. Days before he's due to showcase his work in a make-or-break performance, he's feeling the pressure from everywhere. From his girlfriend, Susan, who dreams of an artistic life beyond New York City, and from his friend, Michael, who moved on from his dream to a life of financial security amidst an artistic community being ravaged by the AIDS epidemic. With the clock ticking, John is at a crossroads and faces the question everyone must reckon with. What are we meant to do with the time we have? Ezra, I'll let you start out. I think you have the most to say about this film.
1: Yes, yeah, so if you've listened to our previous episodes that I believe it was episode one or two actually is we talked about our favorite films of the year, and this is one of the my top five. Uh, I'm a big fan of movie musicals I really like this film, I think uh, there's so much to like about it, I think it's filmed great I think Lynn, who is the director if you didn't know Lynn Manuel Miranda directed this, I think he did a great job as a first time director. He has a lot of experience, you know, behind the scenes writing music. Um, and he actually had three movies come out this year. And all three were pretty good, I actually think, because there was this In the Heights and uh, Encanto, which all three were good. But anyway, back to this film. I think the real standout here is Andrew Garfield. And we're going to talk about him, I think, throughout this episode. but he This is an Andrew Garfield episode. Yeah. He absolutely kills it. He is amazing in this role. And it's one of those things I'm not a huge uh, advocate for us, you know, for someone needs to look or sound exactly like who they're portraying when it comes to real life. I think actors can do, you know, kind of have their own. Like, I'm not super obsessed with someone who, like, if they're playing a historical figure, like they have to look and sound exactly like them. But I think it is pretty cool that Andrew Garfield looks, I think he looks a lot like Jonathan Larson, who this movie's about. Um, I think, uh, while I praise this film on almost every level, uh, I will nitpick here is, uh, it's really the Andrew Garfield show. So I think some of the other characters suffer as a result. Like I don't really get a feel for his girlfriend. Um, the name of the actress is Alexandra Ship.
0: Alexandra Shipp.
1: Yes. Um, she just kind of She's there. Uh, I don't think she contributes a whole lot because it's re- it's really about uh, Jonathan Larson. And it revolves around him. Vanessa Hudgens was actually really good in it. I like her singing voice, but she's not really a character. She's just there to help provide the narrative structure. Um, that's another thing is I actually really like the narrative structure of this, and we can talk about this more, where part of it is presented as his stage play of tick tick boom and some of it is presented as uh, it chronologically happens and it goes back and forth. Uh, the and I like that, but the issue is it can get quite confusing because even at the beginning they say like this is not a true biography because a lot of this stuff maybe didn't happen because this is how Jonathan wrote tick tick boom as almost a biography. So it's kind of it's a little confusing because you're like, is this a musical adaptation of tick tick boom? Or is this a biography about Jonathan writing Suspiria which led to Tick, Tick, Boom? And it's kind of both. So that can be a little bit confusing. So that's one of the few like dings I give this film. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed this. Uh, the guy who, uh, as I mentioned, Lynn directed this, and I think he did a really great job. Um, Future podcast maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, think, I think he um, said he would be willing
2: to be a guest star.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got some connections you know i can see to work something out and then um i wanted to mention the guy who wrote the screenplay for this is a guy named steven levinson who is most famous for writing uh the musical dear evan hansen Hmm. which is a great musical terrible film so (laughs) i just thought that was interesting i just wanted to add that but yeah really enjoyed this film overall what did you guys think um you know i enjoyed it a lot um
2: I think we have a lot of the same concerns. Uh, you know, it's a really very powerful cast that just didn't really get a chance to shine. You know, Vanessa Hudgens, I think was a, just as big a pull of this to this film as was Andrew Garfield. And although she aged like a fine wine and her voice is amazing. Um, didn't really get enough of her. Uh, you know, really the only chance to get to see her is in therapy, uh, the song. And in that she shines. Um, yeah. You know, the, the flick's getting some Oscar buzz, but I think it's all going to rely on, you know, Garfield. I don't think it's so much the film getting Oscar buzz as Garfield's performances. Um, but yeah, I don't want to be too redundant. What about you, Josh?
0: Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly with really what both of you guys said. He was the Andrew Garfield show, and he was fantastic in this. He's kind of going a little bit of a renaissance right now. I didn't love the narrative structure, say, as much as you did, Ezra. But I, th- I I don't know. It was confusing at times. I thought one one cool thing was that in the diner scene, they had like a bunch of Broadway legends who I didn't know, but the person I watched with pointed out.
2: So that yeah. was pretty cool. Are you talking about the Sunday
1: brunch song?
0: Uh, maybe? Uh, yes. I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. yes.
1: That's the one where the yeah,
0: right
1: actors come The bums in the Sunday brunch
0: a- number. Go ahead, Ezra.
1: Yeah. Um. You know, I was reading a review online. I have it here in my notes. Is someone called it the Avengers of musicals because they brought in so many guest stars from the Broadway world? Which is someone who's not. I enjoy Broadway, but I'm not a huge fan. I only recognized like a few off the top of my head, so I had to go back later and try to, you know, read articles to figure out who it was. Um, what were, yeah. What were
2: your guys' favorite
1: uh, songs from the soundtrack? Therapy, I think is the standout. What about you Josh?
0: Uh I liked the 30 the song 30 oh,
1: 3090.
0: Yeah. I like both yeah.
1: of Yeah. Oh, what did you guys uh, um oh, go ahead Josh.
0: I was going to say just to finish what I was going to say, obviously Jonathan Larson ends up passing away the night before Rent was supposed to start the first off-broad rendition. I was just gonna say, I'd say that's a top three don't die day. Probably number one for me would be the day before the NFL season starts. Number two day not to die would be the day before your, your musicals gonna be premiering off Broadway. Number three probably would be the day you're supposed to testify against powerful global elites and human trafficking ring. Definitely a day not to die as well. Also one theory that I've always had is that every actor is also a great singer. And I thought Andrew Garfield, like, never sang before. And obviously he took voice lessons for the year leading up to this film. But he was a great singer. Reminds me, you know, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, both good singers and La La Land. Michelle mm-hmm. Williams in a number of roles. Uh, Marion Cotillard in Annette. It's just everyone who's in Hollywood, I guess, could just sing.
2: They're jacks of all trades.
0: Yeah. Hugh Jackman, great singer. Great singer. Well,
1: he, he started on Broadway. Australian Broadway. Mm-hmm. Broadway on the Barbie. And American Broadway. He was in Oklahoma before he got any movie roles on Broadway. So here's an interesting question for you guys. Like I mentioned a little earlier, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda had three movies essentially come out this year. How does this rank among the other two? Because all three were pretty well received.
0: So I rated in the heights higher than this, but I think I enjoyed Tick, Tick, Boom a little more. I did like. I don't think we've talked about In the Heights too much in depth on this pod. I really enjoyed that time. movie. Is, is it especially the uh, pool scene? I was really well done. But for me, I think this just had a standout performer like Andrew Garfield that really made me enjoy it a little bit more. How about you, Len?
2: Um, I'm. I don't know. Like In the Heights is definitely the th- in the, the the third of the three. Um, and Kanto, I really really enjoyed. Um, I also just really love animation as a medium in general, um, so that might be kind of clouding my assessment here. Um, but Tick, Tick, Boom, you know, the Andrew Garfield Renaissance is alive and well, and I really, really enjoyed this film. Um, I thought it was very well. I thought the narrative structure was very. It, I thought it was pretty easy to follow. I thought it was unique. Um, I, maybe this edges encanto out by just like a by a little bit of butter, but all in all, I'd say it goes very close one and two and uh tick tick boom and Canto three in the heights
0: gotcha so do you guys want to go into your ratings ezra what did you what did you give tick tick boom
1: so i gave tick tick boom a very solid four sticks of butter uh it's still early so you know we're still working out the true scale of the butter but i think this is a very good film better much better than average i would say. It's not a great film. That's why it's not four and a half. That's why it's not a five. But four—that's a solid. That's a solid movie. And this is a movie I can see myself going back and rewatching at some point. This is, is this is butter straight out
0: of the fridge, not melting. This is solid butter right here. Yeah. <laughs> Lenny, how about you?
2: I'd give it a four. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed it. Um, I could definitely go back and watch this. If I just needed something to put on to fall asleep, I I think it's a solid flick. Four sticks easily.
0: Sounds good. I gave it three and a half. I really enjoyed it, mostly for the music and Andrew Garfield's performance. Uh, For me, this ranked as the eighth best movie of 2021, right ahead of Red Rocket and right behind the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I know it's a comic book movie. I don't care. I really liked it. So for our next segment, we're going to be ranking all of our favorite Andrew Garfield performances. I think what we should do... Lenny will go first. He'll give his five, then Ezra, and then I will. And I'm sure there'll be some overlap, so no need to, you know, if a pick's taken or a pick is talked about, no need to reiterate what we said. Lenny, what are your top five Andrew Garfield performances?
2: So this might be a little controversial. Um, I know there's some uh, bad blood with this movie out there on the internet. Um, But my favorite Andrew Garfield film of all time is Silence. I know a lot of folks think that um, Adam driver should have been in uh, Andrew Garfield's role and vice versa. Um, I don't really care about that. Uh, all I can tell you is I love this movie. It's my favorite Scorsese film. Uh, I think Andrew Garfield absolutely did an incredible job. Um, second for me is Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, love that movie. It's a great story. Very, very well done movie. Um highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, Uh, he was, he got a um, Oscar nomination for best male lead. So it's definitely worth watching. Uh, Now don't give me too much flack for this, but number three, I have amazing Spider-Man up there. Um, I think Andrew Garfield is the best version of Peter Parker we have seen to date on screen, despite there being so many versions of him on the uh, silver screen. Um, i think he's the most accurate portrayal to the comic book character and i think he just did a really good job in it you know amazing spider-man 2 wasn't very good but he's still great in the role and there's talk about a amazing spider-man 3 coming down the pipeline from sony that's all speculation right now but i you know i hope he comes back to the role of peter parker he was great and far from home and i hope to see him again or no way home rather um fourth you know we just talked about it but tick tick boom i think that's a great movie i think he's very good in it And then rounding out the list, The Social Network. It's my favorite supervillain origin story. Uh, Garfield does a great job in it. It's basically the Joker,
1: but with screens.
0: Ezra, how about you? What are your top five performances?
1: Yeah. Uh, So with Andrew Garfield, you know, there's a lot to pick from. Um, And hopefully there'll be much more in the future. As we are going through the Andrew Garfield renaissance, Lenny, I think those were all very solid picks. Um, I I do disagree on one thing, though, is that Andrew Garfield is not the best Peter Parker. The best Peter Parker was played by Jake Johnson in Into the Spider-Verse. Just saying. Just saying. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. Yeah. But to get to to my picks, uh, my first pick would be Under the Silver Lake. Um, This is a very odd film. Uh, Josh has seen it. I know Len has not. Um, It is a very odd film. I loved it. Some people will not. That's something to say, but I don't I can't even describe it because it is such an odd film and Andrew Garfield's great in it; he's the lead in it and that's all I'll say, but please check it out. Number two is it was on lens list is the social network, he is great as the supporting character Eduardo Saverin in it, um, one of the. Co founders of Facebook, who then butts head with Mark Zuckerberg, who will be the downfall of everything number three. Uh, tick tick boom we just talked about it you guys know that i really enjoyed this film that just shows how strong his performances and the other two i mentioned are is that this is ranked third uh, for my next pick i'm gonna go a little out of uh left field is the first time i ever saw andrew garfield before i knew who he was was in a two-part episode of doctor who called the dogs take manhattan mm-hmm. where hey, who. he he Nerd. plays <laughs> he plays a construction worker building the empire state building which is going to act as a conduit for the dogs to conquer earth um, he's not a huge part of the episode i will say but he is great and he does an amazing uh, new york accent authentic um, and then finally my last pick will be andrew garfield when he was on saturday night live uh, some people will disagree i love saturday night live i watch it every week even though about half the sketches are absolute trash And then only one or two are real gems. But those gems, I think, are worth it. And Andrew Garfield was great in his appearance. And so please go on YouTube, look up Andrew Garfield SNL, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: I actually think I've seen the Daleks take Manhattan. As you know, I did watch three iterations of The Doctor. So I think I have seen that episode. My performances for Garfield, my top five Garfield performances, number one, tick, tick, boom, for reasons that you guys both kind of said. I thought he was clear... Clearly the standout in that movie, and it was cool to see him kind of showcase his singing voice that we didn't know he had. Number two, also this was number one for Lenny was Silence, uh, a really good movie, really long movie, uh, a really enjoyable. I don't know if I'd say it was enjoyable, but a very uh, good movie. It's a it's, it's a thinker. It's a thinker. Number three, I went with The Social Network, which I think is a very underappreciated movie right now. I rewatched it not too long ago for the first time since it was in theaters. That's, I think that's a four and a half stick movie for me. I think there are good performances all along the board and also really good set design, especially like the boat race scene. I thought it was really cool to watch a small part of the movie, but I really enjoyed it. Number four, I go with under the silver Lake. One of the most ambitious movies I've ever seen. I mean, you really don't know where it's going. And I'd say that's a movie that's definitely not for everyone, but it's a movie I enjoyed. I think I have it as a three and a half stick of butter film. But definitely something worth checking out. Maybe that'll be the subject for a future pod, because that's a very unique movie. And number five, similarly to Ezra, I'm going to go a little off the board for my fifth best Garfield performance. I'm actually going to take President James A. Garfield in the Civil War. He was a member of the Union Army and fought and won in the battles of Middle Creek, Shiloh, and Chickamauga before being elected president. And he was also a key member of the Ohio State Senate from 1959 to or 1859 to 1861 and a native of Moreland Hills, Ohio, about 15 minutes down the road for me. So for my fifth best Garfield performance, I'm going to go with President James A. Garfield. And one movie that just missed the boat for me was Garfield in A Tale of Two Kitties, uh, probably my favorite on-screen rep- representation of Garfield. So that was a 2006 classic uh, featuring John and Garfield visiting the United Kingdom. Uh, and I believe Garfield gets uh, his identity stolen in that movie, or he's confused for like an English or British Royal cat or something. So That's I would a have been trapped,
2: but with fat cats, more or less.
0: Yeah. Well, as the resident cat guy on this pod, do you want to comment on your lack of Garfield the cat in your list?
2: Well, I didn't know we were allowed to include our favorite, uh, fat cat in the list but uh he uh, more of a normal guy myself but i'm glad to see garfield getting some representation mm-hmm.
0: and to be fair that was an honorable mention for me so do you guys have any other honorable mentions or should we keep going
2: let's keep this pod rolling baby
0: sounds good let's do it okay so our next review our throwback review if you will is the 2006 ad- movie adaptation of rent so if you're not familiar with it, this is the film version of the Pulitzer and Tony Award winning musical about bohemians in the East Village of New York City struggling with life, love, and the AIDS epidemic and the impact it has on America. Lenny, I'll let you go ahead and start out.
2: Alrighty. righty. Well, um, I haven't seen the stage version of it. Um, so there might be some things that get lost in translation. You know, the book is always more holistic than the film. So I very well could just be the fact that this lost some things in translation when it jumped to the screen. But, you know, there is some things about this that I really didn't like. Um, The structure just felt kind of wonky. Um, You know, if if anyone here has seen the play, correct me and tell me this is in there because I'm assuming it's not. Um, But there's a few interludes throughout it where it's just kind of like these crusty hippies showcasing their mediocre art um, as a way to kind of bridge the narrative gap, I really thought it made it feel more uh, disjointed. It didn't really add anything to it. Um, and, and, you know, there's parts of it that just didn't really work on screen. So like when Roger, uh, this is a spoiler, obviously, um, like towards the end of the film, when Roger is going to Santa Fe, just to go to Santa Fe, what is, what does that add to the to the narrative why just like sell his guitar and come back what does that add to the story aside from just you know oh this guy's pissed off wants to get out of new york okay fine whatever um and you know there's a brief situationship i'll say between the characters mimi and benny um nothing is really kind of explained there but it's kind of implied that you know they're they're romantically involved um despite the fact that benny is introduced as being married to the Uh, main cast's landlord's daughter. Um, And as far as we know, Benny doesn't have AIDS, whereas Mimi does. So if they're romantically involved, how does this dynamic play into it? Um, It just seemed like a lot of the film version of this play was underdeveloped. Um, But I don't really think that's why people go to see Rent. You go to see Rent because it reminds you of playing it in high school and because the soundtrack is very good. Um, No, my my favorite track from the soundtrack is uh, La Vie Boheme. Um, I thought it's, I think it's just a fun, high beat, high energy uh, track. It's very fun to listen to and sing along to. Uh, imagine that if you will, if you're listening at home. And uh, what really kind of weirded me out about this was all the like mid 40 actors playing people in their early 20s and late teens like Idina Menzel, I think she's a great actress, but it felt weird seeing her play Maureen. Uh, it felt weird seeing uh, Mark being played. I don't remember the actor's name, but it felt weird seeing Mark being near 40, but also being a struggling film student or film person. It just felt weird. It didn't feel organic.
0: So I haven't seen the show on Broadway, so like Lenny, maybe I watched this with one hand kind of tied behind my back. It's also t- tough to judge movies adapted from musicals. And again, since I wasn't super familiar, familiar with the subject matter prior, I'm just going to look at it as the movie in a vacuum. And I frankly didn't think it was a very good movie. First, uh, the movie starts out with Seasons of Love. But because at this point we don't have any emotional attachment to the characters, it kind of fell flat casting wise i understand that this was the original cast except for rosario dawson playing mimi and tracy thomas playing uh joan jefferson i believe her name is and as lenny kind of said i thought the show is all about younger people struggling and using actors in their 30s kind of took me out of it uh overall overall the movie felt like just like a bunch of like mid-2000s music videos strung together with minimal plot or dialogue Uh, I didn't love the movie, and it made me wonder whether time has kind of passed. You know, the East Village at this point has probably been very much gentrified, and the AIDS epidemic very much dwindled down thanks to modern medicine. So I thought maybe this would have played better in the times it was written. I believe it was originally written in 1993 before debuting off-Broadway in 1996. Uh, So I thought this movie was a big swing and a miss. It lacked imagination from director Christopher Columbus. I don't think has done any other musical movies. Uh, He is known for doing the first two Harry Potters, which I very much enjoy. And the highlight for me, uh, which is, I think, a very good song, but also well done in the movie, is the Tango Maureen. I thought Tracy Thomas' Joan Jefferson was really probably my standout performer. She's not in the original cast, but I thought she did a great job. So that's what I thought. I didn't love the movie. Uh, I also did watch this in two parts, which probably helped me, honestly, because... You know, the play is, I'm assuming, it is, it's two hours, 20 minutes, and obviously a movie like this takes a lot of stuff out of uh, the play that's just not in the movie, so I talked to someone who's seen the play, and there are a lot of different elements in the play that are not, or in the play that are not in the movie, I think would have helped develop characters a little more, so for me, I thought this was kind of a swing and a miss, Uh, I didn't love it, Ezra, what about you? Have you seen the play?
1: I have seen the play. So uh, I think we're of all the right age where I don't know if you guys remember, but up until we were probably freshmen in high school maybe or seventh graders in middle school, most schools wouldn't let students do rent. Right. Yeah. And then I I feel like it was either seventh or ninth grade uh, where all of a sudden every school was doing it. It was my school. My school did it as well because yeah. it was like the first time they were allowed to do it. But I, um, Cincinnati, and I assume Cleveland does as well, has a thing called Broadway Across America, which is where the traveling Broadway shows come through. Uh, Cleveland has a great uh, arts theater district, so I assume they get a lot of good stuff. So that's really gone Josh for not watching this before. Uh, he probably <laughs> hates Cleveland, which is why he hasn't seen it. Um, but Lord I did Cleveland see it. Cleveland hater, Josh Friedman. Right. So I, I have seen it at the air and Off here in Cincinnati. Um, it's, a good, it's a good musical. Um, it does have its issues, um, but this movie, I think, is uh, could almost be called like a textbook example of why there needs to be more nuance when bringing stage plays and musicals to the screen. they are different mediums, and some people don't realize that. And so some directors, especially if you ha- don't really have experience with musicals, really try to film it as if it was still a musical, which I think is one of the issues this film has. Um, and some, and they uh, of course, uh, a lot of musicals are two and a half, three hours long, and they have an intermission. And they have a very specific two-act structure, whereas movies have a three-act structure. And so some people who adapt uh, musicals to movies, Don't know how to properly adapt it to the structure, so at least issues like in this one where they've cut some songs that are important to the plot. There, I think this movie is even a little too song heavy I think that's a mistake a lot of musical adaptations make where there's a lot of stuff that when it's not in the musical form it's much harder to explain so you really need to add dialogue between characters to give more backstory instead of just breaking down the songs. Um, The performances are all good. And uh, you both of you guys mentioned it is that these actors are a little older and I understand As Josh mentioned this is most of these actors were in the original Broadway version. And so you understand like they uh, most actors who end up on the Broadway stage this isn't guaranteed, but a lot of them usually have been with the production at some point. beforehand, so a lot of these actors were with the workshop which occurred two or three years before it even hit broadway they were with it when it was off broadway and when it went on to broadway so it does feel like they deserve you know like first dibs on the role they were the ones who originated the role but uh you know it uh josh i think you mentioned this was first on broadway in 96 and this movie came out in is it uh oh five and so that's a nine year gap and so There's a big difference between being in your mid-20s and being in your mid-30s, and it just doesn't work. And that's another thing that is the problem adapting musicals to uh, movies, as we saw with the Dear Evan Hansen movie that came out this year. It's it's much more believable to have people in in their 20s to 30s playing teenagers or young adults on stage, because you're not as focused on them. You can't see them as well. There's much more...
0: I don't know how to...
1: Yeah. emotion and you're emoting which is a different form of acting and so it's something that doesn't translate well there's a lot of stimulus
2: um, that kind of blurs your observation
1: right exactly and um, uh, one word that comes to mind when I thought of this film was schmaltzy uh, Chris Columbus makes schmaltzy films good and bad what does schmaltzy the guy mean? who it's like overwhelming in sentiment I guess is how i describe it but you know it's just kind of like
2: neurotic in a sense
1: uh, yeah a little bit um it's a yiddish term you know it's one of those ones where you just kind of know um but one thing i saw in reviews at the time is some people said it was faux boho which i kind of get it doesn't feel authentic because it's by a chris columbus none of these actors We're in that scenario. That's why I think it works This Jonathan Larson was living in the East Village when he wrote this during the AIDS epidemic. And so it it added a feel of authenticity. The way they've designed the sets feels like how a Hollywood person would be like, how does a poor person live? Like, you know, it just doesn't feel quite right. And uh, one thing I'd like to mention too is that the guy who wrote the screenplay for this is not someone who worked on the original. His name is Stephen Chbosky. And he is most famous for doing um, The Purse of Being a Wallflower. He wrote the book and he wrote the screenplay for the movie, which is also kind of, you know, sentimental. But I'd also like to mention that he actually directed a film that came out this past year called Dear Evan Hansen, which was not good. So there might be some problems with how he, I think, some of the blame with how this film turns out, how it's kind of mediocre, lies with him and Chris Columbus. And both of them are very talented. I'm not dinging them for that. I just don't think they were right to bring this movie to the state or bring this movie to the screen. Um, all in all, I think it's a, a pretty mediocre film, especially once you eliminate a few of the top songs, it really, like if you were to eliminate like Tango Marine, Seasons of Love, which isn't even a great song, but it's iconic. And my favorite song, which is Take Me or Leave Me, I think it fizzles out. And so uh, just, if you like Rent, you'll like this film. But if you come in without knowing Rent, you I don't think you will enjoy this film as much.
2: To, to kind of harken I back tell to, you,
0: I really did not enjoy
2: the film. To, to kind of harken back to something Josh mentioned uh, like early on, is opening up with Seasons of Love, it's really just kind of assuming you know Rent, assuming you know what, the phenomenon at the time was and why wouldn't they open with the smash mega hit to pull on your heartstrings
0: yeah and that just didn't work for me because i've heard the song but i know in the play and the musical correct me if i'm wrong that's to open up the second act they start with seasons of love and here it just it fell flat it just seemed almost like fan service like oh you know this is rent there's this is rent. They're throwing it in your face. You're listening to the big song from rent now. And then the rest of the movie just kind of had me, you know, just bouncing from song to song with no real, no real construction. So what did you guys give this movie? Len, I'll let you start with this.
2: I'm going to give this a, uh, I said three, but the more I think about it, I'm going to give it a two and a half sticks.
0: Okay. That's where I'm at with the movie as well. I gave it two and a half sticks of butter uh, it's definitely not a great movie for fans of the musical. Maybe they'd like it more, but having not seen the musical, I just didn't think it was very good. Ezra, as the musical expert here, what did you think?
1: You know, you guys have me rethinking my rating as well. I, I also have ran here a three, three sticks of butter. <laughs> stick to your guns. Oh. If, if, you want, if you want it to be extra buttery, stick with it. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. If nothing else, then to be different. Um, Respect it. I respect, but but yeah, I think there are much better musical films out there. Um, and there are also musical films that are so cheesy but so enjoyable. And this isn't that. Um, one example I think is like, have you guys ever seen either of the Mamma Mia movies? I've seen the yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) See, uh, well, Dash says unfortunately, but for me, I love those films. You're a fan of it, and they are so cheesy. Yeah, they're so cheesy. They're so schmaltzy. And yet they're so enjoyable, but rent is too serious for anything like that. So right, yeah, I, let's do three.
2: I think rent, so one when of the I underlying see- issues is that it takes itself entirely too seriously.
0: Going back yeah. to Ezra's Mama Mia point, I hated the first one so much. So first of all, a little story. I didn't want to see it. And my sister and my dad went to see it and they dragged me to it. And I took the large popcorn bucket and put it over my head during the movie. That's how much I hated <laughs> that movie. <laughs>
1: He loves extra butter. That's a fact.
0: That's why the podcast is called Extra Butter. So we both, I gave it two and a half. Lenny went two and a half. Ezra went three. So for our final segment today, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite movie musicals or musical movies. So how about we each choose one Broadway, one original, one biopic, and one Disney. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds great. Yeah, it works for me. Ezra, why don't you go first?
1: Yeah, so for my Broadway pick, I'll be going back in time. Um, It's one of my favorite movies ever made. It is Fiddler on the Roof. I think it is an incredible film. Um, It means a lot to me because even though it's a musical, it does kind of feel like what my great-grandparents' lives were like because they are from Shtetls in that part of the world. Um, Great performances all around. Uh, you know, it was one of the biggest films of the it might have been the biggest film of the year it came out in 1971. And that was at a time when musicals movies did quite well, because a few years before that sound of music was maybe the biggest film ever made uh, if without adjusting for inflation. Um, but, yeah, that's my pick for a movie that's based off a musical. Uh, my Disney pick is The Lion King. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, come on. Even you guys got to admit it's good. And you guys don't even like movies. Um, (laughs) For my original... I do like
0: movies for the record. For my
1: original, I'm going to pick Moulin Rouge. Uh, For those who don't know it, it stars Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor in, I believe, early 1900s Paris. It's a musical by Baz Luhrmann, who doesn't make a ton of films, but he has a very specific style um lenny's giving me a bit of a face so i can tell he doesn't like it um, but maybe he'll talk about that but i'm a big fan i think some a lot of the songs they do are really nice um and then finally for biopic now this is stretching the definition of biopic a little bit but i have to pick almost famous and the reason i say it's stretching the limit of biopic is it's a great film but it's really more about. The life of Cameron Crowe when he was a teenager than the band itself. The band that they follow, called Stillwater, is really an amalgamation of several bands he toured with when he was working for the Rolling Stones as a teenager. But I think it gets the point across. Everyone knows that famous uh, scene when they're on the bus and they all sing Tiny Dancer. It's a great film. It's probably one of my top uh, 20. It's hard to rank films, but. It's definitely up there for me. If you guys haven't seen it, please check it out.
2: Well, first and foremost, my goal in life is to buy Moulin Rouge and stop it from ever being seen again. Um, it is awful. I hate it. It sucks. Zero sticks of butter. Negative sticks of butter. Um,
0: Lenny's rating that with I can't believe it's not butter. Or one of those really bad butter yeah. substitutes. That's how bad he, he thought that movie was
2: um let's see Broadway one of my favorite Broadway musicals and the movie's also just really solid uh Phantom of the Opera a classic um Disney flick there's so many to pick from but the one that probably means the most to me and just I one of my favorite Disney movies in general is Hercules um really great you know I know it's Disney but good coming of age story great soundtrack um and one original biopic um this might be a bit of a stretch but i'm gonna say the greatest showman um you know it's, it's got a really fun soundtrack um just a good movie in general
0: i would say the greatest showman counts as a very good soundtrack but frankly not a very good movie that's it's just fun. my opinion it's, it's i a like great the soundtrack
2: fellas If you're listening and they're ever showing this movie in theaters again it's a great first date movie take your lady to it she'll love it
0: good music not a great movie so for mine i'll start with my best original for that pick i'm gonna go with la la land i know lenny and i both are big fans i really like the soundtrack i like the movie uh i really enjoy it for my disney i'm gonna go with something a little more recent i'm gonna go with moana i like uh obviously as a huge dwayne the rock johnson podcast which we are he has some great tunes but I also like a couple other songs in that movie as well. For my, based on a Broadway musical, I'm going to go with the movie adaptation of Sweeney Todd. I really like the dark set design. I think Johnny Depp is pretty good in it. As is uh, Helena Bonham Carter, just proving my theory that everyone can sing. I like that movie. I mean, it's about a barber who kills people and makes pies out of their bodies. What is not like? I... Exactly. Lenny, we tried to order those pies too, but we ended up, Uh, Just getting our money and identity stolen, that's a topic for a different Mm -hmm. podcast. And then for my biopic, I'm also going to go a little bit off the board. I'm going to go with Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, which, of course, is kind of a spoof of Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash story. But Walk Hard is one of my favorite comedies. I think it's completely slept on. All-time Tim Meadows performance in that movie, by the way. I think his character is fantastic. And John C. Riley is great as your Your title character, Dewey Cox. So those are my recommendations. Some honorable mentions for me would be Once, which is a John Carney movie, a very low-budget movie that ended up winning an Oscar for Best Original Song. And John Carney, you may know from the director of Sing Street, which we talked about on the very first Extra Butter pod. Uh, So those would be my musical picks. Do you guys have anything you want to add, Ezra? Anything?
1: Well, I'd also like to honorable mention Coco. Um, I can't believe I didn't mention it and then um, just for looking forward to the year ahead since we're on this musical theme um, I would like to say that I believe Book of Mormon and Wicked which are two very well received Broadway shows are we're both Wicked. getting movie adaptations within the next year interesting I'll have to double check and maybe I'll mention it on our next podcast whether I'm actually telling the truth or not because I'll have to verify and double check Sounds um, good. Lenny,
0: do you have anything you wanted to add?
2: Yeah, it's a pretty garbage movie, uh, but the soundtrack to Across the Universe is nice. Uh, I enjoy the new iterations of the Beatles um, catalog. You know, the movie the Hot Pile of Garbage. Don't watch it. Just listen to the soundtrack.
0: I would agree with that. So I think that pretty much does it for today's Extra Butter. I just wanted to remind everyone we are on Twitter at tra- underscore butterpod. We are on Facebook at, I think, just search Extra Butter Pots. And so we will have a line of
2: NFTs coming soon.
0: We will have some Extra Butter NFTs that will cost one Ethereum or however that works. Uh, Please don't just right click and screenshot our NFTs and steal them. uh, Because then we get no out of it. So (laughs) for, is that how NFTs work? Can I just spot people's More or or less, yeah it's it's very easy to rip off the blockchain. It's fine, don't worry about it. I'm kind of looking forward to the NFT bubble crashing. Just like so all the people, like Gary V or like NFTs, bro, just lose all all their money. I think it's going to be very funny. Anyway, for Ezra, for Lenny, I am your host, Josh Friedman. Uh, just remind you, always get the extra butter. We will see you next week. Thanks for being.